0: Good morning. Um, I have a title this morning of peace, question mark. Um, And I'm going to say right at the top, I am aware that some people actually are just going to get that far and go, I don't like this talk. It's a subject they feel uncomfortable with. It's a subject that they find is just unattainable or something like that. So I'm just going to say, I get that, but actually try and stay with me. Okay? Um, Because I think actually there's so much more to this than sometimes has been dumped on us from other people. Um, I'm looking at Philippians 4 this morning, and I've been told at times, you've got to focus on this. Don't be anxious. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. I'm just going to say, whilst I think the passage is fantastic, I don't think that approach is very helpful, and I'm not going there this morning. Okay? So again, stick with me okay this passage paul is not there trying to condemn people he's not trying to say a whole load of you're wrong things so let's try and hear what he is saying this morning so philippians 4 verse 2 i plead with you odia and i plead with syndicate to be of the same mind in the lord Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now I'm going to focus mostly on the the verses four to nine, but I still think we do need to sort of point out that actually at the beginning, we have these two women that have done huge things for God that are now not living in peace and are not living in a great place. And Paul then goes on to say all these things. So he's saying these things to them, he's saying them to the person he's asking to, to actually work with them to see peace. But he's also saying this to us. So hear what I'm saying now in the context of that. So firstly, anxiety. I think something that's really important to say is anxiety is not sinful. Okay? I've heard it taught as if it's sinful at times. That it's something that, you know, I should be able to put away and never think of. And, you know, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul actually talks about how he cares for those in Corinth. If we look at 2 Corinthians 11, don't turn there at the moment. But in the NIV it says... Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That's a really positive thing. He has that concern. The RSV translates that same word, anxiety. That word is the same word that is used here in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything. So Paul is not saying, literally, never be anxious about anything. And yet he says, do not be anxious about anything, okay? It's one of these sort of weird things that we sometimes take on, that anxiety is wrong under all circumstances. No, he's actually saying there is that concern, there is that anxiety that is real and is good and is helpful. Jesus tells us not to be anxious in Matthew, but to look to God in all things. And Paul is doing the same thing here. It's actually more about where we look rather than the anxiety, So anxiety is part of our fight, flight, flee or fawn reaction. I actually managed to get that out correctly. Um, We either we start to fight because we get anxious. We run away. We will at times try to please someone so much because we're anxious. We're fawning. And that's actually one of the responses known for this. And Paul's not trying to override that natural protective response, but he is saying that sometimes it gets out of control. And I suspect anyone who, I think everybody in here probably knows that sometimes anxiety gets out of control. So, some years back, um, I'm just picking one of the examples, There was a situation at work that was completely out of my control. And every time it came to mind, my heart pounded. My mind became completely fixated. I went round and round and round in spirals. I felt completely, completely trapped. And as probably lots of people can say, the worst time for this was at night. Um, And I lost a lot of sleep over this. Um, and over time, that situation resolved. But I think the trouble is that some behaviours and responses that I had learned during that time weren't helpful. But I'd still learnt them anyway. And over time, as I say, that situation resolved and fewer things triggered those reactions in me. But even, I don't know what it is, eight, nine years later, there are still certain things that can trigger those responses. And it happens less. And at times, it's something as simple as a letter arriving in the post. And I actually have to take that envelope and look at it and say, no, I'm not going to dwell on it. And it's actually exactly what Joe said about taking those negative thoughts and not then allowing those negative thoughts to be dwelled on. It's saying, yes, that's real. Yes, I was badly hurt. Yes, I can feel I've been triggered. But no, I'm not going to dwell on it. So, when we get anxious, what should we do? What's Paul saying we should do? And I think we have to remember that everybody's bodies and minds respond in different ways. Some people have grown up with chronic stress have had severely traumatic situations happen in their life, medically respond differently to other people. We are all individuals. And again, Paul is very aware of that as he's talking to us, as he's talking to the people in Philippi, as he's talking to us here. We will all respond differently. So let's cut each other some slack. So, during this passage and I'm going to go on about these a few times, Paul talks about patterns of behavior that can become part of how we respond. Okay? In verse four, he talks about rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay? Rejoice. Paul says it twice, so I think I can. Um, You know, actually, we have done some of that this morning. We have done some rejoicing. Then he says, remember that God is near. We've just sung. Never did we walk alone. At times, we can feel like we are walking completely on our own. And yet, actually, when we look back, we see that we weren't, that God was with us that God was walking every step of that journey with us. He was holding us up, and we couldn't see it, we couldn't feel it at times. Other times, we are in those dark places, we're in those places of anxiety, and we know that God is with us because we can feel that God is with us. Paul goes on to say about praying with thanksgiving. This is the next thing I think he's saying. This should be a pattern of our behavior to pray with thanksgiving. And I think I heard this verse when I was younger, and it just said, don't be anxious, pray. That was it, that was all I heard. It's probably not what my Sunday school and other teachers taught me, that's what I heard. It actually says, pray with thanksgiving. Okay? Looking for those things that we can actually say thank you for. Present our requests to God. God wants to hear these things. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God doesn't want to say, that situation is causing you anxiety. Just pray about something else. He wants to hear what we're saying about these things. He wants to hear us being real. But Paul also goes on in verse eight and beyond to say, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And I think that what he's talking about is not in those moments specifically, but he's actually saying, train yourself now. Do these things now so that when anxiety comes, your response is different. So that... When, in my case, an envelope arrives, I don't automatically assume the worst. Okay? So it's training ourselves in times when we're not in those stressful places. So he says, take the anxiety, pray with thanksgiving. It's not about praying for, you know, we're not saying thank you for this situation. Let me be very clear there. I don't think that's what we should be doing. I don't think that's what he's saying. But for me, that meant being thankful for the support that I had. For people that came with me to meetings, to support me, to help me. For being thankful that Jesus was actually in that with me. Although at times I couldn't feel that, I knew it. And it was like, okay, I know it's true. I don't feel it. I'm going to say it. You're with me. It meant for me praying for my enemy at that time. For peace for them. That did not come easy. And I had to do it a lot of times before I meant it. But actually, I think that's what it's about. Um, I wasn't thanking God that I was going through that time, or that the situation had occurred. But I was praying with thanks during that time. Do you see the difference? I think that's what Paul's saying. Pray with thanks during this time. Um, I prayed for stuff that was around me. You know, thanking God for those things. It may not change the situation when we pray with thanksgiving, but it sometimes changes how we receive it how we live in it, and how we work in it. And sometimes it just calms our hearts and our minds to be able to look at it with far less adrenaline. When anxiety kicks in, the frontal part of our brain, the brain that actually thinks logically, shuts down. And doctors say it takes about 20 minutes before it works again. So praying with thanksgiving actually gives our brain some time to reset to actually be able to think a bit more logically. Because once we're stuck in that spiral that's going down and down and down, we're stuck. And habits are hard to break. These patterns of behavior are really hard to break. And for some people, it's like you can look at it and go, well, that's fine. I've just done that. No problem. For other people, this is life controlling. And I want to say that, that, you know, we are all different. We should never condemn others for saying things where actually we feel, well, you should be able to deal with that. Or feel that others are making light of what we're going through because actually it's affected us deeply. But with habits, we often need help to break those habits and almost as much help, if not more, to create new habits. Um, long-term behaviour patterns are really hard to break, and it really came to mind a picture of a, a farm track. Now, if you've ever tried to cycle down a farm track like this, you've got ruts in the road, okay? And it's very the easiest way of cycling is in those ruts, because Otherwise, it's just all slopey and you end up falling into them anyway. And I think, you know, when you keep going over those same bits time and time again, they get deeper. They get harder to get away from. And I think mental patterns are the same. That actually those ruts become easier to fall into. And they get harder to get out of. And at times, it can almost get like it feels like it's really gone hard. And it's gone over to actually something you never would be able to get out of. And the next picture actually shows that. You know, when you I don't know if you've ever cycled where the tram tracks, but they are scary things because you feel like you're going to get stuck in those. But what God is saying is that actually we're not, it's not like that. It is more like the farm track where there is a way out and new tracks can be made. So, If I go back to my story, did all this help? Sometimes, sometimes not. And sometimes I could feel the peace of God and sometimes I couldn't. But I reminded myself and plenty of other people reminded me that God was with me. And I held on to that. And I held on to that. And I held on to that. And sometimes I think we have to remember that when it says in verse 5, the Lord is near, it's a statement of fact, it's not a statement of feeling. The Lord is near. That is true whether we understand it, whether we know it or not. It's true whether we know God or not. Even if we think God has no interest or care for us, God is near because he loves us. Verse 8, Paul says, finally. And partly that's because he's coming towards the end of the book. Or the end of his letter, I should say. Um, and, But I think this is actually him summing up what he thinks is our, the thought patterns for life that we should be looking forwards to. This is kind of his summary of this whole book that talks about rejoicing so much. This is the way we should be training our brain so that when that adrenaline hits the patterns that are more helpful are at least partly established where we can see two ruts the, the more helpful, thankful God-facing rut and the I'm going down the anxiety path rut and the, there was an image I came across on, on the internet with uh, another cyclist and I think actually it should be a bit more like this. The paths are a bit wider. There's a bit more choice. It's a bit more fun. But actually there's not those ruts where you've got to go this way. You can actually do what you like on a BMX type track. Not that I've ever tried. <laughs> um, and I think it, it is good for us to land up in a place where we can choose which way to go and our habits actually lead us in those more positive helpful mind patterns. And Kintsugi Hope is partly about trying to create some of these new, more healthy thought patterns. That's why it's so good for us. So when Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, it's kind of like he gets tired of listing things. So he puts in a catch-all statement here and says... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I actually think that is a really good general pattern for life. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. He advises them to govern and train their minds at times when adrenaline is not pumping around their system. I'm suspecting that most that are staying to watch the football The adrenaline will be pumping, and by half 11, that's not the time to try this, okay? But actually, when you're out for your walk, when you're reading your books, when you're doing the things that actually bring life to you, then focus on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, because then when the adrenaline hits, when that anxiety hits, it's easier I did not say easy, easier to pray with praise, with thanksgiving. So, you know, I think we remember that regular training of our bodies leads to physical strength and ability. Regular training of our minds leads to our mental ability and patterns and ability. Paul then says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, this is what I've been doing. You can use me as an example. He's asking to look at other good examples. We know Jesus. We can look at what Jesus said and did. We can look at the biblical authors We can look at people that we see living out that life, walking with God through the tough times and through the good times. He's asking them to practice. Now, as a piano player, I know that practicing can be hard work and can be very boring, but it's worth doing, it makes a difference. And sometimes repeated little and often is actually better than trying to do it too much and then giving up because it's too hard. So regularly, Um, Paul is reassuring them that God's going to be with them. He doesn't promise that they're going to feel the God of peace, but he reassures them that God will be with them. And it's true whether we feel it or not. So those patterns of behavior to help us create good patterns of response. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Remember, God is near. Pray with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Focus on the excellent. Focus on the praiseworthy. And for good measure, I'm going to say it again. Remember, God is near. So as we finish, um, I'm going to ask, what would you like to focus on this week? If you start with a list like that and say, I'm going to do all of those, my guess is you'll start halfway through one and then give up on number two. Okay? Whereas actually, if you go, no, that's the one I think God is saying I need to look at this week. That's the one I struggle with the most. Why don't you, and I know people don't normally say this in church, get your phone out and text somebody and say, can you ask me later in the week if I have managed to do this? Because I can guarantee you, I will almost certainly forget if I don't, put some reminder written down somewhere or something like that i need reminders so feel free to get your phones out and text people Um, but i think it is one of those things we need to look at these things and create good healthy patterns for life so i'm just going to pray and then i'll hand back to esther father i thank you that you are always near you are with us every moment of every day, whether we know that and feel that or not. And you are with us because you love us. Jesus, I really pray that you'll help us to focus on the excellent, on the praiseworthy, on the things that actually lead us to a healthy mind, to a healthy response to situations. And Lord, we don't want to get rid of that protective Um, part of anxiety but we do want to make sure that it doesn't rule our lives Lord please help us to move more in that direction to move more to you as we go through this week as we go through this year that patterns will be built and patterns will be changed Amen